With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Hello everybody and welcome to another exciting night of Kingdom Interviews here on the Bloodbot Blog Talk Radio Network. That's kind of a mouthful, Bloodbot Blog Talk Radio Network. Tonight we are we have a special our special guest is Pastor Dale Blair from South Carolina. He's actually a former pastor of uh my in laws, uh Jan and Joe Waller and um Tabitha and Lee Murphy. Um and so I'm very, very excited tonight. I see we got a lot of people logged in listening. Let me tell you how you can um actually if you want to call in or you want to chat in, by chatting you just go to uh, com, and when you're looking for the um, program, you just put in Bloodbot Radio, and the program will come up, and you can be on the chat there. Um, or you can call us at 1-724-444-7444. Let me say that again, all those fours. 1-724-444-7444. The uh, they'll ask you for a caller ID at six zero zero six five pound. Again, it's six zero zero six five pound, and I'll remind you later on in the program one more time about that. And if they ask you for a pin number, sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. It's one and pound. So welcome tonight, Pastor Dale. Hey, good to hear from you, Michael. Glad to be with you. Everything going well for you? Everything's good. It's wonderful and awesome. God's been blessing Bloodbot in some mighty ways. We've got we've done some great. Uh, we just got into our new building, and we're now we're doing some hands-on stuff. We've been doing stuff for a while, and now we're doing some some hands-on stuff. So God is just great and wonderful. So Amen. things are going great. So, um, well, I'm on my I'm on my speakerphone. I hope that's okay because I'm uh, sitting here with my small group. Uh, uh, some young ministers that uh, 19 to 25 year olds that want to hang out with a 72 year old guy. So I think I must be pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's good. Yeah, that's okay. That's not a problem. Um, would you like to tell our listening audience a little bit about yourself? And we've already got some questions that people have typed in, um, and we'll see where God takes us. All right, that sounds like a good plan. Um, you know, I'm uh, pastored for 32 years and recently retired. And uh, actually, I'm, I'm still in the ministry because I'm still working with people and just trying to help people grow in their walk with the Lord. And uh was raised in church, brought up in church, ran from the Lord for a little while. But uh, I always felt like I had the call of God on my life. And the Lord has blessed us. And like I said, we pastored for 32 years. And uh, Don and I are just happy as we can be in retirement and doing what we can to serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and get the first question that somebody's typed here on the screen. Um, 
Sarah Leakes from Alabama writes, Pastor, what would you say is the climate of the church today? The climate, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I think there in a in a lot of places, uh, a lot of spots, I think the church is, is blowing and going, if you'll allow me to use that terminology. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's a lot of places that God is really, really uh, moving and people are being uh, brought into the family of God. And, uh, and at the same time that God is doing that, there are other places that, that I think people are kind of stuck in uh, – in old ways, maybe, or kind of stuck in uh, uh, back in the dial. Remember when we had dial phones? They're stuck in that age rather than in the iPhone age. <laughs> yes. And so, uh, <laughs> and I think the ones that are moving forward and understanding the culture, and uh, especially the culture of our young people, I think those churches are exploding and doing a great work for God. Amen. Amen. I I I feel the same. I feel. Uh, um, it's it's all about it's all about your heart attitude, where you are with God. If you're there just just to put on a show, that's one thing. But if you're there to let just God do what He has to do, I think those those places are, and churches and ministries are the ones that are just exploding for God. They're they're reaching people where other places just just can't. Yeah, uh, so I, I you know I think. If we could ever come to the place where we recognize the fact that uh, God is trying to get us into heaven, not keep us out, I think Amen. it would change our culture a little bit. Oh, definitely. I, I definitely, I agree with that 100%. And I know that um, there's a lot of people who are just, it's everything, everything that's everything that's wrong with you, and everything that's wrong with the world, and everything you can't do, and everything you can't do this, and you can't do that. That that's being preached out there, and we we need to love them into the kingdom, and we need to to tell them what's right and what's wrong, but not be dictators. And I think that kind of happens too sometimes in the church. Absolutely, yeah. and I agree. Uh, you know, uh, it's uh, I, we really could if if we could really grasp the love of God and how much God really cares for us, uh, it, it would change our lives. And the, the fact that so many folks see the Lord as a, a hard taskmaster and not as a heavenly father, uh, I think it hinders their walk with God. He wants the best for us. Exactly. And I agree with that. I agree with that. There's, um, and I also think also, and I don't know what you think about this, which will be good to to tap your brain on this. Um, I think there's too many churches out there that are trying to put on a program Instead of bringing bringing people to God, they're trying to put on a program and put uh, people in the seats on a Sunday morning and on a Wednesday night and in special services and things like that. That sometimes that that isn't working. People aren't growing. People aren't aren't becoming who they're supposed to be in in Christ. I know that um, I've been to a lot of churches in my lifetime, and I know that some of them. It was all about the show, all about the worship, all about well, how we're going to do this and make sure it's, that's it. And I wouldn't feel the spirit. And then the other ones, you know, just just a little old backwoods church. People are in there and they're just singing all off key or whatever. But the Holy Spirit shows up and just pours out. 
because nobody's worried about this, this, that, the other thing. I know you have to have some order in your churches, and you have to have some, uh, and, and things like that, but but when that becomes the whole focus, I think sometimes we, we hinder God from what he's doing. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, one of the, my pet peeves is I just don't like religion. Uh, I love a relationship with the Lord. And uh, to, to walk with, with the Lord on a, on a daily basis, there's nothing like it. And when I say religion, I don't like religion. Let, I probably should define that. I, I define religion as uh, being a belief system that keeps you searching for something that God has already given you. And so, uh, you know, people that try to really basically, they, they don't mean to, I don't think, but they want to add to the cross. In other words, uh, I've got to accept Jesus, but then I've got to take this step, this step, and this step in order to stay in a relationship with the Lord. And like I said earlier, God's trying to get us into heaven, not keep us out. And uh, his love is so powerful for us. Uh, I mean, after all, he's given us his best. Uh, why would he hold anything of lesser value back from us? Oh, amen. I'm a, a totally... Um, what you're saying is what what my heart kind of is, even right now. We had some people come into our ministry center just recently, and they're going to the church that, that we're attending, but they came in and they 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 come from some you know wild backgrounds some drugs alcohol uh they ran with gangs murder mm-hmm. that kind of thing been in jail but they came in and they're so on fire for god but the one thing they said last night me and christy were there at the ministry center 12 in the morning almost just ministering with them and they said the one thing they said was was nobody would spend this kind of time with me right and i and because it was all it, I think sometimes we do get that that mentality, that religious mentality, instead of that relationship mentality, and yeah. and letting people people to to come to God, to come to Christ. That that's what it's all about. It's it's not about uh, a, a complete really box them in and let's have a rules and let's have regulations and let's have this and let's have that. You know, you know what I'm saying. And I I just really think that. Um, like you're saying, is because we've got to show them that God wants them, not that not that they have to do this and that and this and that to to be able to be with Him. Well, those folks would not be welcome in some churches. Oh, and, exactly. Uh, that's a sad uh, sad story because uh, you know if uh, if that were the if, if that were the case, then the um, uh, the disciples would have been in a in a deep trouble because they they were a bunch yeah. of uh, ragtag guys, you know. But God exactly. does it anyway. Yeah, that's why I, I last Thursday uh, I preached on that because I do my blood blood live program at the after we do our soup supper, and I was preaching on Peter, and I just said, you know, if you take all any of the disciples, they didn't come from from no great upbringing and and, and great manners and all this. They were just you know, ragtag group of people who who, who walked in with, with Jesus, and Jesus accepted them right where they were at, and he, and you know, and they changed along the way. But even along the way, as they were even changing, they were still falling and faltering, and had their times and and mess ups. But look at Peter; he messed up, 
You know, he denied Jesus, but on the day of Pentecost, he's the one who who brought the greatest sermon ever and brought what three thousand people to the Lord. You know, right. it. But but we look at people from the outside, and we start judging a little bit. I think. Absolutely. That, you know. You know. We can't really. It's it's not our place to judge whether somebody is is in the family of God, born again, or spirit-filled, or whatever. That's not our place. Uh, you know, the Holy Spirit has the ability to do things in people's lives that uh, maybe sometimes those of us that have been caught up in religion before, is, uh, they, we don't realize he can do, you know. And uh, we just have to put our trust in what the Spirit of God can do in someone's life, even though they may not fit our mold, they may not fit our definition, but you know what? Our definition doesn't really count too much. It's yeah. what God defines is the, is the issue here. Oh, exactly, exactly. Um, sometimes we got to put ourselves aside and say, hey, Lord, what is it that, that you want? How do you see these people? Right. Um, I have another question from Jamie Bleeth of Georgia. I don't know uh-huh. if it's a girl or, or a guy, but they write, I am a devoted Christian who does occasionally, very occasionally, have a mixed drink or glass of wine. I've never gotten drunk or drank more than one glass at a time. I was told I was going to hell for it, but I do not believe that at all, Pastor. What would you say? Well, I don't believe that that alcohol is a heaven or hell issue. Uh, I just, you know, I don't, if that were the case, you know, in in different in different cultures, uh, wine is a common thing. And uh, if God were judging that, then He would be judging everybody equally. Uh, so I don't see alcohol as a heaven or hell issue. But having said that, I believe that in every deed there's a seed, and so you don't know what seed you're planting. Uh, in the future generations, in your children, or, uh, you know, maybe you can handle alcohol, but maybe somebody coming up in your family later on can't. And so uh, I don't think God's going to, I don't think you're going to go to hell if you have a glass of wine or an occasional drink. I don't think that's that's the issue. I just think you have to say, you know, you got to be clear in your spirit as to the seed you're planting when that, that happens. Amen. Amen. I, I agree. I agree. It, it, it's what what I've said. I've talked. I've counseled with one person who um, just didn't want everyone to go back to church because the pastor saw saw him um, with a wine at out. I don't know what they were doing out eating or something like that. And one glass of wine and just really came down on him. And so he just didn't want to go back to church and. So one thing I did tell them was you got to just understand that that what what your appearance is sometimes could could make someone else fall. So what you got to do is just just be cautious of that. And I just and I don't know if what I told him was right, but I said if if you feel like you can drink one glass of wine, have it at home during a meal that you have at home. If you Absolutely. want a glass of wine. Um, cuz I I agree with you. I don't think it's it, it's a life or death situation for for your spirit or your soul or anything like that. But I do believe that the Bible does talk about drunkenness. It does talk about being a perverted drunk and all those kind of things. 
And I yeah. do understand that. But I don't think he the Bible ever really comes down and says, oh, because you drank one glass of wine or you drank one mixed drink that you're going to go to you're going to go to hell. Yeah, you know, that's uh, for somebody to say that, you know, Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. And, uh, you know, I, I, one of the things that I've learned over the years is I, I want to be careful who I judge because that whatever I judge, that judgment comes back to me. And I don't think I'm in a position, uh, you, you know, as a minister to say, yeah, you're saved or you're not saved or, well, you came to the altar, but it worked for you, but it didn't work for them or, you know, whatever. I, I, I just have to, you know, if you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior and you obey Romans 10, 9, and 10, and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, Scripture is very clear. It says you will be saved. And it doesn't say you will be saved if you don't ever drink a glass of wine. Uh, you know, Paul wrote, he said, you know, take, told Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. You know, so, uh, and then we got to argue. We got the argument over the fermented wine or the grape juice deal, you know. So. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and really, to be very honest, um, I think sometimes that takes away from really what we're supposed to be doing for God because we get so focused in on on whether or not, with the judging, we get so focused on whether or not this person's right, whether or not this is this right, and we're not ministering to nobody else. It becomes that religious mindset at that Absolutely. point. Instead of yeah. loving people where they're at. And if you don't believe in it, in, in to, who was that who just wrote that? Jamie, Jamie Bleed. If someone doesn't doesn't believe in it, or if you do believe in it, just just be cautious of the people that you're around. Um, and if you know that that really it's not a, g- a good thing to be doing it in front of that crowd, then just do it at home. Don't 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 do it there. And I'm not condoning you getting drunk or nothing, but just one drink or whatever. That's that's between you and the Lord. I think we I, I think too many times. Go yeah, on. I, I think you're absolutely right, uh, Michael. I think that's wise advice, and because uh, you certainly don't want to put a stumbling block in front of someone. In fact, I think oh, I would yeah, rather, I'd rather on, you have on. a glass of wine rather than you start gossiping about your neighbor. Amen. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> or have you play a pastor for lunch, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. John from South Carolina says, Is there a danger in topical preaching? Should all preaching be expositional? Um, please, whoever wrote that, please take this uh, the way I mean it. I don't really mean it uh, detrimentally or judgmentally in any form or fashion. But I I just think you ought to relax and uh, just have a relationship with the Lord and talk to the Holy Spirit and commune with him. And uh, don't worry so much about the uh, theological uh, dissertation or whatever you're listening to, why don't we just learn the principles of the kingdom of God and learn how to live and operate in God's kingdom and and, and get rid of this theological mumbo-jumbo that confuses people rather than bringing freedom and deliverance into their lives. 
and I agree. I agree. We get so much into um, it's got to be this way, and we got to do this, and then we got to go back and and we got to be super theological in this area. We do a Bible school in the seminary um, on Monday nights, and I've I had one person tell me that I should be more doctrinal, teaching more doctrines than what we're teaching. Well, what what we do teach because I believe that ones who are going to be ministers underneath our ministry need to be ministering from their hearts. So we've got books like Shadow of a Doubt by um, Mark Sharona, which we're in right now, which which all of my all my students have really opened up, and there's past hurts and past things that, that they it's it's really revealing to them, and they're able to 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 get to the core of themselves, which I believe helps them to to get ready for the future, um, and to be able to minister to other people. Well, I've, I have had people come against me and say, well, you should be doing this way, and you should be doing it that way. But I agree with you 100%. Just just relax and let the Holy Spirit guide you. Know what you believe. Know You, you know the basics of, of, of what needs to be, be taught, and just let the Holy Spirit guide you. Amen. I agree. We, we, we're so... Uh, I don't think God is as complicated as the church has tried to make him over the years. I think God is just very, very practical. Uh, Like I said earlier, he's not trying to keep us out of heaven. He's trying to get us in. And he's trying, you know, we can can, uh, sit and we can talk about the theological and the hermeneutical and all the other terminologies that we have. But listen, what changed my life, what helped me personally is when I began to find out how simple the word really is and how impactful the principles of the kingdom of God are. When I began to learn that my faith was my words, what I believed was what I was saying. Out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth was speaking. It began to change my language. And when that began to change, my life began to change. And so if we could just, you know, understand God is not complicated. Uh, In fact, Paul wrote to us and said the mystery has been revealed. There's nothing hidden. And so God's not complicated. And if we could ever get that, now the church has made him complicated. (laughs) And so that's one of the things I'm trying to teach these young guys here with me tonight is, look, relax and walk with God. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants the best for you. You're his child. You're his son. You're his daughter. And, uh, you know, I really believe I'm God's favorite son. I know you might think you are, Pastor, but I hate to tell you, I'm God's favorite son. <laughs> oh, well, I think we all are, so there you go. You <laughs> Amen. <are. laughs> hey, we, you're right. We we all are. Yes. Well, I, I agree with you on that. I think it's, we're in a day and an age anyways that – that practical um, teaching, um, really honest, uh, real stuff is is what people need. Um, sometimes you, if people want to get deeper, they can go search it out for themselves. But I think when we get to a, a point when we're preaching or we're trying to minister, we can't begin over people's heads. Because the people that we're trying to get into the kingdom, you know... People were 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 trying to get to get a better relationship with, with with God. They don't need that. They they need the basics. Amen. You know. 
And yeah. the problem is we we tend to take them from the milk of the word and, and go directly to the meat. <laughs> right. Yeah. You can't feed a baby a T-bone steak. Exactly. <laughs> Just doesn't work. And I think one of the one of the great measuring tools that I see that exists today, if you can just look at at your church or any church and see how many young people are there, if we're not re- if we're not reaching the younger generation, if we're not reaching these the young people today, then the church, the destiny of the church is not good. And so when we are culturally willing to take some chances in order to reach the younger generation. I tell you, these young people are on fire for God. Uh, uh, you know, people say, well, maybe the younger generation is, you know, going to hell in a handbasket, so to speak. But I can tell you right now, uh, there are young people that are on fire for the Lord, and um, it's an awesome thing to see. And that's one of the things, I, one of the reasons I'm enjoying being retired from the pulpit so uh you know, as I am, I'm enjoying working with these young people. It is really, really exciting. Yes. Um, we have another question. Let me just get this back up here. Um, okay. I've lost screen. <laughs> these computers. Um, the next the question is from Elizabeth from South Carolina, and it says, how do you feel about mega churches?" Well, um, you know, I tell you what, on the day of Pentecost, when preacher, preacher, when Peter preached, yeah. uh, 3,000 people came into the family of God uh, immediately. And uh, I think, um, it, you know, I don't, I don't know what the, what would be the motivation of, of her question, but I don't see a problem with mega churches. Uh, you know, that some of them get accused of not, preaching the gospel or watering down the gospel, but I happen to belong to a mega church, and I can tell you right now, uh, I've never seen so many people born again and accept the Lord in my life. And so, hey, listen, I'm prejudiced when it comes to that. I don't care what size your church is. What are you doing for God? Yeah, are you reaching right. souls for the kingdom? Are you, you know, if we could, if we could just, you know, we, there's so many different denominations, and if we could just lay aside our differences and come together under the agreement that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he is the Savior of the world, and let's agree on that one point and lay aside all of this other petty stuff, that we could have an impact on the world for the family of God. Amen. And and like you said, I don't think it's about the size of a church. I think the cool thing is is that there are smaller churches, there are larger churches, and and if you feel more comfortable in a smaller one, you can go to a smaller one. You feel more comfortable in a bigger one, you can go to a bigger one. But I think as long as the um, the leadership of the church is is seeking God's face, as long as they are in tune with the Holy Spirit, as long as they're doing what they're supposed to be doing for God, that God's going to work whether your church is, is a million people or if your church is five people. It's gonna it it's gonna work. Absolutely, I, you know, uh, my the church I pastored. I think the largest we we got it at maybe between six and seven hundred. That was probably the largest we ever got. And I it was wasn't just because of me, but it was because of the staff that I had at the time. And then when a couple of those staff members moved away and and to do their own works. 
you know, we declined a little bit in membership, and it was disturbing to me. It was a little bit, a little bit uh, disturbing to me. But I got some really, really good advice from a pastor friend of mine, and he said this to me. He's because I asked him about it. He said, "Listen, God will never promote you beyond your level of pain." And uh, when he said that to me, I, the kind of pastor that I was, the kind of gifting that I had, I just have to be around people. And so because of that, I can only deal with so many people. That's just, that's just who I am. Now, there are other pastors that their level of pain is, is at a higher threshold, and, and they can deal with, with, uh, with new levels of pain. Because I can tell you right now, when you add people, so the question was about a mega church, when you add people, you add problems. And it gets tougher. And so you have to be able to take that, uh, that attack of the enemy and work through that and keep your focus on growing the family of God. Amen. We have another question. Karen Hornton from Texas says, Pastor, is it hard to be a pastor? What I mean is that it must be very hard to be in that position, knowing that God has you accountable for everyone you minister to. Did you find it hard? No, I did not find it hard. Now, uh, when, and here's the reason, and this is what I tell all the young pastors that are young people who want to go into ministry. My word, my counsel to them is if you can be happy doing anything else, that's what you need to do. But if it burns within you to the degree that you can't do anything else, then you're probably called. And when you're called, then it's not difficult. Now, are there challenges? Absolutely. Are there, is there difficult times? Absolutely. But in those times, the call that God has on your life is what keeps you in there. And so for the 32 years that I pastored, I loved the ministry. I absolutely loved it, even though I had issues that I had to deal with. But when it was time for me to, to retire from the pulpit and start ministering in other ways, one-on-one -on -one more so than I do, or more so than I was doing, it's still not difficult. And so when you're called of God and you can't, do, you can't be happy doing anything else, then no, it's not difficult at all. Amen. Amen. People ask me that sometimes because um, everything I do is, is, is kind of ministry. Um, I My actual job job is I teach preschool in a Christian setting, and I teach Jesus to children. Then I go from there um, almost every night of the week to blood-bought and do blood-bought stuff. And then I also serve in my church. I teach, the Sunday, teach one of the adult Sunday schools this this last two years, God's just been wonderful to me and gave me that. And people say, oh, don't you get get burned out? Don't Well, don't you just don't do that? But I just said, if I wasn't doing it, and my wife attests to this, if I wasn't doing that, I wouldn't be a happy man. Right. Amen. And so I know you, I'm supposed to be doing it. Yeah. When you're when that calling is there, that's that's where your, your peace and your happiness is. So, uh, you know, the ministry, yeah, it can be tough if you're not, uh, you know, if you just look at it as a vocation, uh, then, then it can be a difficult time. But when God's anointed you to do it, then it's 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 really not. 
Okay, we have another question. Jane Hertz from New York says, My son came to me about a month ago and said he wanted to tell me he was gay. I was shocked and immediately went into a rage and continued to berate him and tell him he was totally against God, he was going to hell, God was going to kill him. He told me that God let him know it was okay that he was gay. Pastor, I believe that God, the God who is real, doesn't approve of it. What what suggestion would you give me to do in this situation, Pastor? Jane Hurts from New York. Or am I talking to uh, the Father? Uh, if I'm talking uh, to the it's, Father... It's, it's Jane, so it's probably the mother. Okay, the mother. Okay. Um, I think that, uh, to me, uh, I think that homosexuality is a type of deception. And I think for the mother that it's calling for some intercession from her, that, uh, that eyes would be open, that they would see the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge this young man and say heaven or hell for him. I I'm not in that position to do that. I am in the position to say that God that you are outside of the boundaries that God has placed in His Word, and it's not a good place to be when you're outside those boundaries. And my prayer for this young man would be that that he would be open to hear the voice of the Lord so that, uh, you know, God can deal with his heart and, and lead him in the pathway. I, I don't, I don't, I think it's a dangerous thing for anybody uh, to to judge another man's heart. It's just a dangerous thing. Do I approve of gay lifestyle? Not necessarily. Do I hate gays? No, I don't think God does either. Uh, and so it, that's a it's a tough subject. It's a tough uh, thing that our culture is facing, uh, and there's so much uh, hate for the gay community uh, from the church. And I don't know how we're going to win them over, uh, win them to the Lord if if we continue that kind of a, a belief. Exactly. Um- Kind of, kind of along with this is is the things that I feel, and you could see, and you could give me your opinion on this. I feel that the church needs to be more back on the offense than they are on the defense sometimes, because sometimes we are so on trying to defend this thing and defend that thing and 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 do it on our own, and, and God can be our defense, but. So we got to be on the office. We got to score the touchdowns. We got to get people to realize who God really is, how God can change their lives, what God can do for them. We got to bring the drug addict to the Lord, not us bring it, but be to be the vessel that God uses to do that. And, but we get so inundated in we we want to protest this and we want to do this, and then the church, especially when you get on Facebook, you get on Facebook for one day and you've got every idea of every little thing of how to fight this and to do this and everything and the church looks like it's just become a political playground and but the thing is i just think that we got to get more on the offense what do you think i i agree you know if you i i think most people can tell you what the church is against 
but not many people can tell you what the church is for. Yes, exactly. Because that's what we've done. We've spent all of these years standing up, we're we're against this, we're against this, we're against this. And when, in, you know, we, we're going to stand up and say, listen, what we are for is Jesus Christ being the key to our relationship with God. And it's through Jesus and Jesus alone that we get into that relationship. And, you know, rather than, as I said earlier, rather than being judgmental and us deciding if somebody's a believer or not, or saying they're going to hell or whatever, if they do this or going to hell if they don't, um, you know, that's not our place. And so if we would stand up for what we're for, uh, then I think we would have a better shot at reaching our generation for the kingdom of God. And, you know, I say this jokingly because I was kind of, and I don't mean that I'm not blaming anybody here because it's my fault, but I was kind of brought up in legalism and all that stuff. Yeah. And I say this kind of kiddingly, but it really was true where I was at the time. You know, I've been saved so many times, I don't know which one took. Because <laughs> <So. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I was, you know, I was saved today, but I had a bad thought tomorrow, and now I'm on the way to hell again, you know. Yeah. And that's not, that, there's no peace in that. There's no, uh, I don't think that's the way God intended us for to live. I know it's not, because the greatest truth I ever learned that changed my life was when I found out that through Jesus Christ, I stood clean, righteous, and holy before a holy God. It was life-changing for me. It brought freedom to me, uh, you know, my favorite verse is, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for me that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. That was life-changing for me. And it's so true. I mean, I, and this happens, just like these questions that we're getting tonight. Um, I had my own personal pastor on two weeks ago, oh no, a week ago, and we were... Um, talking and a lot of it was the same thing. They tell me this and we're not gonna do this and we're gonna go to hell. And it seems like a lot of judgmental statements and these people seem so confused. And the thing is it's it's almost like they 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 take that liberty to say, Hey oh I can I, I can judge them because this is the fruit that I see or whatever. Yes we can judge by people's fruits, but I don't think we can judge heaven or hell. By that, there's just not it. It's just not our our job to do. I agree. You know, one of the things that people talk about God judging this and God judging that, and you guys can whoever's listening and you too, Pastor, y'all can just meditate on this a little bit. And but I, I personally believe this to be a truth. The only way that God judges in the earth today is through the law of sowing and reaping. And the reason I believe that, because if God's judgment was falling in the earth today, he would judge every nation the same way because he is just. And he he's not doesn't show favoritism. So you actually reap what you sow. I think Paul wrote this. He said, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For that which a man sows, he shall also reap. And so that's we live in the age of grace. We're in that period, but if you sow 
to the wind, you'll weep, reap the whirlwind, it says. And so one of the things I'm trying to teach these young people I'm with is sow good seed. Let the words of your mouth be edifying. Give, speak words of life and, 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 and plant that kind of a harvest so that you'll uh, reap a good harvest. Amen. We have Northwest Illinois who just logged on through their phone. Um, welcome. Do you have a question? Hello? Well, I guess they're probably just listening. I just want to remind people that the number is 724-444-7444, and the um, caller ID is 60065-POUND. Um, and then if they ask for a pin, it's one pound if you want to call in and ask a question. Um, if you're on here and you are just listening and you come up with a question, just interrupt us because we're we're here to answer any of your questions. I have another well, question that's been sent to me through Facebook and it says, Pastor, when I was like when I was little, my mother told me one day Jesus would return and he would only take back to heaven those who had been baptized in fire. Later on in life, another family member told me that all we have to do is be good, and he would love us, and if he returns, only the ones who have been good would go to heaven. Now I hear all kinds of things. I am so confused what is true. It's from Kelly Knorr from Michigan. Well, Pastor Michael, here's... uh where I stand with this, I believe that the Bible is final authority. Uh, I believe that's what we have to base our belief system on, not what anybody else says or whatever. Uh, I believe the Bible to be the truth. It's not a part of the truth. It is the truth. And because I believe the Bible is final authority, then I believe if I do what the Bible says to do, then God does what he is said he would do in Scripture. And so to answer that question, in Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead, you would be saved. And I believe if an individual does that, that at that moment in time, if they pray that prayer and they sincerely mean that from their heart, that I believe in that moment of time, the Holy Spirit of God comes into their life, recreates their spirit, uh, they become a new creation in Christ Jesus, and their destiny changes from an eternity separated from God to an eternity in the presence of God. And that and it's just as simple as that. It's not the cross plus something. It's the cross, uh, uh, you believing in the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. Amen. I totally agree. Totally agree with that. And I think we make it complicated. We complicate Absolutely. the gospel so much that... Sometimes people don't even know that it's just so simple just to come just to come to him and let him change you. People think they have to be follow a set of rules or they have to 
um, they have to just walk a straight and narrow path, and 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 if they fall off, they have to get back on and start all over again. And and there's no grace, no everything that the Bible says doesn't doesn't get applied because they're they're just so so set with that. But I think that if we were to not complicate the Word of God so much for people, then they would be able to 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 know this, like like like. like Jamie here, where she says, no, it wasn't Jamie. I'm trying to look at my screen here. Oh, where Kelly says that her mother told her one thing, then someone else told her one thing, and someone else told her one thing. If if we didn't complicate it so much, then she'd be able to decipher and say, hey, no, no, this this is what I know, you know. Yeah. But I would like to. Gotta, I'd like to just say this to Kelly personally. Uh, Kelly, just go get your Bible and open it to Romans chapter 10 and read verses 9 and 10 and do what it says, and God will do what he says. And our prayer for you, Kelly, is I want you to know this beyond any shadow of a doubt. God loves you so much, even beyond anything you can comprehend or understand. And, honey, he wants you in his family. So I challenge you, encourage you, pray that prayer and invite him into your life, and you will never be the same. Amen. Exactly. we got Joshua Canfield from Pennsylvania who says, does the Bible really say it's a sin to smoke? I was told that in the Bible it is told that smoking is a great sin. I can't find it in there. I've searched and searched, Pastor. Can you tell me if it is in the Bible and if it is a sin or not? I don't want to be smoking if it is a sin. I don't I don't have a scripture that says that you are um you know that it's a sin. I think it's a little bit like the alcohol issue before. Exactly. Um you know it's not a heaven or hell issue. Uh I think it's detrimental to your health. I think it's detrimental to the people around you. Uh, the secondhand smoke issue. Uh, I would encourage you to, to 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 stop. I would encourage you to to pray and ask the Lord to help you to lay that that down. And uh, and so, not only just from the health standpoint, but from the economic standpoint of it. I mean, I don't know of any benefit that an individual gets out of smoking. There's no benefit to it. To my, in my opinion, and and so uh, I don't think it's there's a scripture that would would point that out and say it's definitely a sin. But my encouragement to you would be to just for health's sake. And I, I know some people say you don't defile the temple of God, and and your body is the temple, and that's not a good health thing. But you know we'll pick on the smoking, but we'll leave the overeating off. And so you just kind of got to weigh that out, you know. I think it. I I think it's just like what we're talking about, like you're saying, with even the glass of wine um, thing. Is we've we can't judge whether or not you're going to heaven, you're going to hell, whether or not you know God's going to come down and and throw all this condemnation on you for it. We we're not God, and I think what happens is sometimes people feel like they have to be God's mouthpiece to the point of where they even start to. Be a little condemning of people 
But we've got to get back to what we were talking about earlier by looking at people. Basically, what I called one day, and this this will probably be really cool for you to, to hear. I was preaching, and God gave this to me. He said, we need to stop. We always talk about looking through rose-colored glasses, but when we're looking at people, we need to look through blood-covered glasses, glasses that are covered with the blood of Christ at Amen. people. And so we can get to the core of who they are. And so now I've got this thing where I just tell people, I'm looking at you through the blood-covered glasses that God gave me. He gave it to my soul. So I, so if you're going to smoke, um, like at our center, if you're going to smoke, you just don't smoke inside. Go outside, have your cigarette, come back in. You know, I'm not going to condemn condemn someone for for doing that because I'm not God. I'm there to lead them to God so God can do his work inside of them. I'm not there to be their God, to be their answer to everything. I'm there to give them an answer and a direction and so that they'll go to the Word and that they'll get get what they need to get. And some of these pastors, and I, I, if there's some pastors listening, um, I'm not going to apologize for this, but I, I'm sorry, but this is just my heart. If there are pastors listening that feel that they can tell someone whether or not they're going to go to heaven or go to hell, well, I think you need to stop and examine your own heart, and you need to get back and say, and, and see that God's the only one that can do that. Because they, that, that's the world we're in today. Too many people want to condemn, condemn, say you're good or you're not good, and this one's right and this one's wrong. And sometimes people will pull someone's past up and say, hey, look at what you did in the past. So you've done something wrong. And so guess what? You, why are you even ministering today? Or why are you even doing this today? Or why are you even doing that today? And and that whole issue, God gave uh, gave us ministers grace. We need to be able to give that to others. Amen. You're exactly right. I uh, I think it would be it would uh, really pay us great dividends as Christians if we would just get up in the morning and instead of uh, maybe thinking we got to go we got to just go pray for an hour and and all of that, which I'm not condemning praying for an hour. If you can do that, praise God. But uh, one of the things about that is that here we are, we don't know anything, and we're talking to the one who knows everything, and we're doing all the talking. Uh, it's kind of crazy to do that. But I think if we would just get up in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do today? What do you want to do in me today, and what do you want to do through me today? And just walk in that. I think it would be life-changing for us and life-changing to the world. And for all these folks that are called, that are, that are sending in these questions tonight, I challenge you do that. Uh, the, the about tobacco or alcohol, or whatever, or whatever's in your life, just say, Lord, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do in me today? Because if if the Spirit of God is not doing the work, it's just not going to get done. And so you can try to do things on your own, or you can bring the Holy Spirit into your life to assist you to to make the, the right decisions, make the right choices, walk the right path, and that's what he's here to do. He's here as our helper, our comforter, our teacher, our leader, and our guide. So my challenge is to each one that's writing in these questions, talk to the Spirit of the Lord and just do what he tells you to do, and your life will be much better for it. Amen. 
Amen. I agree with you 100%. We have two more questions on the screen. Um, and then, okay, let's, let's, let's take care of those, and then we'll um, do something else here. Hang on. I'm just, I got a new computer, guys. So everybody who's listening, if I say hang on, it's because I'm trying to figure out <laughs> how to use some of this. So, Okay. Um, it says here, from Tony Klein in Pennsylvania. It says, how do we know that the Bible that we have today is the true Bible? Especially today with so many different kinds of Bibles. The Message Bible, the International Version, the King James, and so on. I think as you read uh, whatever translation you're reading, I think the Holy Spirit has the ability to bear witness with your spirit that what you are reading uh, is, in fact, the the Word of God or the inspired Word of God in whatever translation it is. I believe that God has the ability uh, to protect His Word. Uh, you know, I've heard over the past and over the years, some people say, well, this this in the Bibles of the devil or whatever else. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. How did the devil get to write in God's book? <laughs> yes, I, amen. I don't believe that he did. And I believe that God is big enough to protect the integrity of his word, which is what one of the things that I'm teaching here in, in my group is, listen, guys, we are searching for principles of the kingdom. Because there's all kinds of things written in the Bible. There are things written in the Bible that truly happened, but they're not necessarily statements of truth. And so we've got to search out. That's what, you know, study to show thyself approved. We're looking for principles of the kingdom of God, because the kingdom of God is not out in the future. It's here now. We are in his kingdom. God didn't give this up. And so there are principles of the word, principles in the kingdom that we can live by and operate by, which brings victory and blessing and healing and and uh, the power of God into our lives. And so that's what we're searching for. And so the, to, uh, I don't worry about the translations. Find one you can understand. Amen. And the Spirit of the Lord will be your teacher because that's what Jesus said he was. He says, he's your teacher and he's your guide and depend on him to do what he's sent here to do. Amen, amen. I agree with you 100%. Um, Sarah Weeks from California writes, should Christians be involved with politics? I should hope so. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I should hope so. Uh, You know, uh, John Maxwell teaches everything rises and falls on leadership. And uh, I think that's a a true principle. And, uh, you know, uh, the political scene, as aggravating as it is, uh, is really uh, not the answer. Jesus is the answer. And if we have godly leaders and men who are willing to stand on the principles of the Word of God, then our country is going to succeed and is going to be blessed. And so if if Christians step aside and say, well, we're not going to be 
involved in politics, then we're in some deep weeds. Uh, we need to be involved in politics. And so you know, if the question is, should the church, should pastors be political, that's another story. But as a Christian, yes, we need to be involved in the political process because, you know, that's I think it's the will of God. I think it's God's plan. Like that's the way he set it up. That's why our founding fathers were the men that they were. They believed in the in the power of prayer. They believed, uh, you know, they founded this country on Judeo-Christian principles, which, in my opinion, is the total uh, reason that we have been blessed as a nation. Amen. Amen. I agree with you 100%. And I think that that um, think about it. We live in the we live in our country, and so we have a right to to have leaders who are Christian out there, and we would not be able to have them if we if if we all were in the mindset that we should not be involved in politics at all, because then then the Christians would just fall back away. I think there's there's cults out there, and I'll just say it like Jehovah Witnesses and and, and churches like that 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 say. You know, oh, we can't be involved in that because of this, because of that, you know, and render under Caesar and all that stuff. But if we get that mindset in our heads that, that we can't be involved in, in in politics, then we're living in a country where we won't be represented by other Christians. Absolutely. You know, I'm I'm as I said earlier, I'm seventy two years old. I remember I can remember when if if a candidate for office was involved in uh, extramarital affairs, adultery, or whatever, they had no chance of being elected. And as a matter of fact, they uh, if you did not hold the integrity of the office you were running for at a high regard, and you were not a person of honor, you were not likely to be elected. And I've watched that over the years change to where our political leaders are not afraid of the electorate anymore. There, you know, a lot of political people, leaders are involved in things that, you know, uh, that are criminal, involved in things that are sinful, and the, the electorate just lets them get away with it. And that's why our country, I believe, has is on a downward is on a, on a downward decline. See, it's one thing for sin to be happening in a nation, but it's another thing altogether when the laws of that nation begin to condone the sin. Oh, yeah. And you begin to reap what you sow. Uh, you know, we we talk about. I mean, you know, look at our our. And I don't want to get too political here tonight, Michael, but just a couple of points here. You, yeah. you look at our nation, we need, we're need. we talking about even right now raising taxes when we're taxed to death already. want to raise taxes again, and yet we have, through abortion, we've killed off a generation of taxpayers. Amen. <laughs> so what, I mean, it makes Amen. no sense. The, the, and so that's why I believe that Christians ought to be involved 
in the political process. There are enough evangelical Christians in America that if we would be responsible and vote for godly men and hold them accountable, that we would have godly leadership. But we have this mindset, oh, you got to have separation of church and state. Baloney. Excuse my language, but no, we, that's, it's, it's got to be the other way around. And I'm on my bandwagon here. I'm ranting and raving, Michael. I'm sorry. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. It's because I get that way, too. Do we have anyone else who's on the line tonight that has any questions for Pastor Dale? Okay, I guess not. Um, we only have a few more minutes left, and so what I usually do with the guests is I have them, I give them um, the last few minutes um, to just, and I'm not, you, if, you, if you go over the hour, that's fine, but I, I want you to speak directly to the listening audience. I want you to tell them about the Jesus that you serve, even though you're retired, you still serve him, and who he, what he means to you, and then show them how they can have that same uh, relationship with him. If you do that for me. Okay, be glad to. Uh, by the way, Michael, it's been a pleasure being uh, on here with you uh, tonight. It's great talking to you, and you got to be sure you give Christy a hug for me. I will. But, uh, all right. I, you know, I, I, like I said, I'm 72 years old. I was brought up in church. Um, I, I accepted the things that I was hearing, uh, and there was some legalism involved in it, and there was a lot of rules and a lot of uh, things, you know, that it's just difficult to live. You finally come to the place, the enemy convinces you that you can't live the way they're saying, and you really can't. And so for 13 years, I ran from the Lord. Turned my back on the Lord. I did my own thing. The only problem was is I could never fill the hole, the emptiness on the inside with the things of the world. And uh, in a bar one night, the Lord spoke to me and said, what are you doing in here? And uh, he said, I'll tell you what. You know, before I can answer him, he told me. He said, I'll tell you what you're doing in here. You're looking for something. You don't know what you're looking for, and you're looking at all of these other people, and they're looking for something, and they don't know what they're looking for. What are you doing in here? Now, I wasn't expecting God to speak to me. I wasn't thinking about God. But he spoke to me, and that night uh, when I went home, the enemy's sitting on my shoulder. You've done too much. God's mad at you. He's not going to take you back. You might as well just end your life. And the Lord spoke to me again and said, why don't you pray? And when I cried out to the Lord, I said, Jesus, if, if you're there, I need you. And it was like someone reached down and took a ton of bricks off of my chest. And I tell you, I have never been the same. And I know probably listening uh, here tonight, there's some people, maybe you're in that same situation. Maybe you've been trying to fill up the void and the emptiness on the inside in whatever way it is, in whatever thing it is. Whatever sin it might be, and I want to challenge you and encourage you. You'll never fill it up with the things of the world. The only way it will happen is when you pray that prayer and ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and be your Savior. And when you do that, you'll never be the same. 
And always remember this, the devil always deals with your past. He's always bringing up things from the past. But when you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, he never deals with your past because it's under the blood. And he's always saying, come on, follow me, walk with me, and you'll see great things happen. So everyone listening tonight, I don't know the situation or the circumstance you're in. I don't know the problems you're facing. But I'm telling you this, the way out is a relationship with God the Father, our Heavenly Father, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the way, the truth, the life. He's not a way. He is the way. So I encourage you, pray that prayer and let Jesus Christ begin to make changes in your life and feel that emptiness that's on the inside. Amen. Thank you so very much. And I thank you so very much, Pastor Dale, for doing this interview. Maybe we can have one in the future again. Um, the Lord is so good. Uh, and I'm going to go out. I'm going to pray us out. But um, I just want to really thank you because there's a lot of stuff that you said tonight that actually is in my heart. And I love it when when I hear a brother in Christ who who just just connects with my spirit, you know. It's almost like, yes, Lord. You know, pe- people got it. People understand it, <laughs> you know. Amen. That kind of a- well, this, so that- it's been my pleasure, Michael. It's great to, great to hear from him, and I'm glad you guys are doing well. Oh, yes, the Lord has been wonderful, and um, I'm just, we're just so blessed. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, for tonight. We thank you for this interview with Pastor Dale. We thank you for his heart. We thank you for what he's even doing now, even in retirement, Lord God. We just we know that that you always have us to to do what we're supposed to do for you, as long as we're open and we're willing. I pray that the people who listen tonight that their hearts were touched, that people's lives were changed, and I pray that people who who will listen to this the rest of this week. It will be on our, our on this network, Lord God, and I pray that people will tune in and listen to it, and they'll still be touched with what was talked about here. Thank you for the questions that the people sent in. Thank you for for the willingness of Pastor Dale and myself to be able to just, just give them our hearts and give them what you've given us over the years. We love you, and we praise you, and give everyone a special blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, and have a good evening. God bless. God bless. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.